does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. The Hoosiers have won four of their last five, including monster win against the Illinois Fighting Illini, Brad Underwood and company. A three at the buzzer to try and tie it. It would not go. Hoosiers beat Illinois over the weekend, 71-68. Now tomorrow night in East Lansing against Michigan State. That's a late tip at 9 o'clock, by the way. And joining us right now is the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Fish, always great to have you. I was getting ready to do Indiana Sports Talk. I was talking with Bob Lovell, a great Bob Lovell, and we were talking about Trace Jackson Davis and just what he has done, especially over the last month or so. It's getting to the point, really, where you could just chalk up an automatic double-double, it seems, for any ball game that he's involved in. Well, he certainly played that way, there's no question, and he's gotten double-doubles uh, like clockwork this year for the most part uh, especially since we started Big Ten play in uh, early January he's just played terrific basketball uh, he's a different player out there not not so much different in how he's been most of the year but just different from years past uh, he plays so hard at both ends of the floor uh, he is a shot blocking machine he obviously leads Indiana University now all-time career block shots I uh, took over that uh, role from Jeff Newton uh, uh, several ball games ago. Uh, he's now 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. He's uh, clocked into there with the first guy that's ever done that. It's just an amazing transformation, this guy, who as a freshman and sophomore, you could argue, didn't play hard every ball game and, and probably didn't work the, the hardest that he's ever worked uh, in that sense. And, and And not that he was lazy or anything like that, I think he just felt like he was he he could play, you know. He just he just wanted to play. It wasn't that big a deal that he didn't play as hard as he could or anything like that. He just was never really forced to. And now uh, he's just a different player. And there's no question he has willed this team here in the last several weeks uh, to to win some ball games. And with his performances, uh, it's no wonder he's been named uh, Big Ten Player of the Week four straight times, which has never been done before. Voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, joining us on the fan. Uh, Don, how much is it all that is contributed to Mike Woodson, really, and that switch that you see from Trace Jackson Davis, like you said, to where in the last year, last couple of years now, is just a totally different player in terms of mindset, his 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 aggression when he's out there playing, the effort that he plays with? I, I think Mike deserves a, a ton of the credit. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think over the last couple of years, too, that Trace is – has seen maybe his stock not be what he'd like it to be. And uh, I I think he's taken on the belief that, hey, I can play this game at the next level, that kind of thing. And I think he's trying to show people that. I I think that's part of it. But I also think that he is a guy that wants to win. I think he's developed that mindset. Uh, His first two years here were not very good in the sense of winning a lot of ball games. Um, and, And there were struggles. And there's no question about that. And as he's grown and he's matured, uh, there's there's little doubt that he has found out winning is the most important thing on the floor, and if it takes him getting double doubles every ball game, that's what he's going to do, and, and he'll play whatever role he's asked to at this point because he just wants to win. 
Fish, the game that Miller Comp had against Illinois, I think, is what folks especially have been waiting for, just that lethal three-point shooting option, four or five from three. Uh, can he continue that in your mind? Because this could be the start of something, maybe getting hot at the right time. Well, Trace Jackson Davis, pretty much in the post-game uh, commentary on Saturday, uh, told the people that he needed to shoot the basketball, told him he needed to shoot the basketball. And apparently he's doing that, Trace is doing that to him almost on a daily basis now, telling him to shoot because he can flat shoot the basketball. And he ought to be saying the same thing to Trey Galloway because that guy can knock down shots as well. His his improvement in three-point shooting this year has been spectacular. He just doesn't take very many. But those are the kind of uh, – those two guys right there could help this team dramatically if they continue to take more shots, uh, especially from the three-point line. But, again, a part of that is uh, the opportunity to get those three-point shots. And if they're playing the, the pick-and-roll game most of the game and, and that ball's kicked out because the double teams are coming on trace – they're going to have the opportunities, and they just got to be ready to shoot. That's that's probably the biggest scenario with these two guys is when the ball comes back out to you, be ready to take the shot. If it's there, take it. If it's not there, obviously you can pass it again. But these guys are more of a passing guy than they are a shooting guy first, and that's got to change. Don Fisher joining us on the fan. Uh, so, Don, you just mentioned Trey Galloway, Miller Cop. Uh, now looking ahead to Big Ten play, Big Ten tournament play, March Madness eventually. Do you say um, how far this team goes in the postseason? You know, more reliant on what Trace Jackson Davis gives you night in, night out, or those two guys making those shots, taking those shots uh, when they're afforded to them, and really kind of being that X factor. Well, I, I think you always have to have guys step up, and you kind of you have to play the game. And do what the other team is going to allow you to do. If the other team is taking those things away, then you've got to go to something different. Um, so, I, you know, you, you just have to be more versatile in that sense. And I think that's part of what Mike is trying to build with these guys right now is that there are other people have to step up when certain things aren't working well. And certainly in the Northwestern game, they did a tremendous job in the first half of taking Trace away. Obviously, he got loose in the second half. They did some adjustments at halftime and got him going again. Um, and, and the Illinois ball game, they, 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 they're all playing him differently than they did the first time. And we're going to see probably the same thing with Michigan State coming up tomorrow night simply because, uh, you know, they didn't double-team him the first game either. And he went off on them. And so I got to feel like teams are going to uh, they're going to try and take away your best player if they can. And Trace is obviously that guy, but I think other guys have been stepping up. And if that continues, this is going to be a dangerous team come tournament time. Fish, you mentioned the Michigan State game, and obviously it'll be an emotional environment, you would think, in East Lansing based off what happened on campus and uh, the shooting that occurred. But just from a basketball perspective, going up to East Lansing, that's that's not an easy task for anybody, especially with Tom Izzo on the sideline. So uh, you mentioned the first game. What stood out most about that one in your mind, and uh, what can the Hoosiers do to try and be able to sweep the Spartans this year? Well, in that in that ball game, there were several guys that stepped up. Obviously, uh, in that first matchup, uh, Indiana had uh, three or three different guys that knocked down shots in that contest. Tamar Bates was another guy that added to the mix with Miller Cop. Uh, Miller didn't didn't shoot it well in that contest. He only had two points, but Bates had 17 in that ball game, and Trey Galloway had 17 as well. So those two guys really came up and, and did well. And it's going to take that kind of performance again because Trace in that contest had 31 
Indiana pretty much had their way with Michigan State the first time out. But as we know, the Breslin Center is a whole different ball game. And with Tom Izzo and, and what's happened this past week and them getting a, a game under their belt against Michigan, one of their rivals, on Saturday to kind of take away some of the, the negativity of the past week, uh, I, I think they'll be really ready to play. And, of course, they're still in the hunt, too. They're 8-7 and seven on this Big Ten in the conference portion of the schedule at this point. So they're right there just like Indiana is with everybody else. They're all fighting for that one of the third, the second, third, or fourth spot in the Big Ten tournament right now, even though the Big Ten championship is still in line for Indiana and Northwestern. These two teams still have an opportunity here, especially with Indiana playing North or playing Purdue on Saturday. So there is still so much at stake, and there are nine teams right now that are all battling to stay in the hunt and maybe get a two a day by into the Big Ten tournament. That's legendary voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us on the fan. Um, Don, you've seen just about everybody. All the great ones come through Indiana. I, I, I'm curious as to where Trace Jackson Davis's four-year run here kind of ranks for you or where you see him in the echelon of Indiana Hoosier basketball players uh, here as he, as he wraps up his senior season. Well, I mean, obviously, he is, he is the, the biggest thing that's missing from his, from his itinerary for his right. agenda yep. is the fact that they haven't been big winners. They just haven't been, and they haven't won a Big Ten title. They haven't been in the hunt for a Big Ten title until this season uh, as a senior. So that always plays a big role in how you're viewed uh, as far as your legacy is concerned. And But Trace has, has done so many things here uh, and scored so many points, gotten so many rebounds. He is just willing this team and doing such a great job of leadership with this, with this team this year. He will always be remembered for what he's put forth here in this last couple of seasons under Mike Woodson. There's no question about that. But he, I know from his perspective, the one thing that's missing is winning something big, like a Big Ten title or going to the Final Four, getting a national championship. That's what he's all about this year, and hopefully he gets some of that to uh, come to fruition. Now, following up off of that, like looking forward um, with the program, how, how helpful is that for Mike Woodson and, and the folks down there in the, the, the Indiana basketball program to be able to say, yeah, Trace Jackson Davis, he's a guy who could have gone – uh, pro, you know, after a sophomore year or, or junior year, whenever, but he stayed four years, like in recruiting, right? When you're trying to continue to build out a program, uh, does Trace Jackson Davis's kind of resume here be able to say something that you can hang your hat on to, hey, look, you can come here, play for four years, help your stock, and, and, and really uh, cement yourself in, in an all time program? Well, I think that's what's, I mean, that's how you recruit to Indiana anyway. You're always looking for those guys that want to stay four years. You want to get the guys that are, the one and dones as well. If you can find somebody that fits and and has the right mindset going into their freshman season or whatever, but but the the fact of the matter is, guys stay at school these days. They won't stay in school if they think they're going to the NBA right away, uh, especially if they have a really good freshman or sophomore season. Uh, and we're seeing that with Jalen Huchitino. I think he's his stock is well up there as far as. Um, draft potential and all that kind of thing at this juncture, but but all all kinds of co- or all the coaches at Indiana have always tried to recruit a kid that wants to stay four years or can play well enough to be there one two or three whatever it may be. Uh, anymore, they're looking at it totally differently than we used to look at it, guys. It's not the same world that we're living in from a college basketball perspective. And with the transfer portal and NIL, 
These guys, these kids are all free agents, so they look at it totally different than the old guys like us look at it. Fish, this is the last one for me, and actually what's happening on another section of campus right now, Terry Morton's club winning their first Big Ten regular season title since 1983. Terry Morton is a terrific coach. I had a chance to do a Butler-Indiana game last year and met her for the first time. She was fabulous, but you know the number two Hoosiers are 26-1. and one. So what's the vibe like on campus with you know such a prolific squad heading into the NCAA Women's Tournament? Well, I think the vibe you can tell just last night, they, they had over 17,000. It was a packed house, standing room only. Uh, it has just been spectacular for the women this season. And the good news is uh, they're going to get Mackenzie Holmes back again for another year next year. Hmm. And the only, the only graduate is going to be uh, a pretty special one in Grace Berger because she has been tremendous for this program in the last three or three or four years now. Uh, and obviously she's a, or a five-year player now at this point. So she's been tremendous for the program, but they're going to have virtually everybody back again next season. Uh, Terry Morin has done just an absolutely remarkable job of building this program over the years that she's been there. And you, you can't say enough about the girls program and now they're getting the crowds as well. It just makes everything more that special. He is the great voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking some time with us on the Fan Fish. Appreciate it very much. Have a safe trip to East Lansing. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us now through the phone line is Scott Agnes. Our buddy from Fieldhouse Files covering the Indiana Pacers. You heard Scott here on the Fan Midday Show last week. Are you still in Salt Lake City or are you back at home? I am. Good to be on with you guys. But, yeah, obviously no direct flights, not many options. And on top of that, there's about 60 to 70, like, delegates, indie contingent out there. So not many good flights. So I'm actually staying one more day. Okay, so Shaq said on TNT, I'm not sure if you heard the highlight, that Shaq goes, there's nothing to do in this city. I've never had more room service in my life. So what do you do with an extra <laughs> what do you do with an extra day in Salt Lake City? Well, right now I'm uh just entered Great Lake Great uh Salt Lake State Park. And so I'm gonna swing by that and see what there's to see here. Um I feel like you gotta check that off if you're spending a week, you know right here in Salt Lake City. So that's on the to-do list today. I love it. Scott Agnes joining us from Fieldhouse Files. Scotty, you had the angle that I think we all wish we could have had in Salt Lake City. It looked awesome. Take us through the weekend. How'd it go? Yeah, so it was jam-packed. It's one of those day or one of those, you know, events and showcases where don't get a ton of sleep. There's always different events to go to. You really have to pick and choose. But obviously there's those main featured events. And for us, it was exciting because there was pacers in everything, everywhere you went. And it's funny to look back and think back to that three-point contest. You got what the pacers wanted. with two, They're both their guys in the final round. But if Damian Lillard didn't get hot at the end and make, and if he missed any one of those final four balls that he made, Buddy Heald is the three-point champion and surprisingly would have been the first pacer to ever be three-point champion reggie paul george and danny granger participated but did not win it but throughout this week there's the nba uh you know crossover event which is kind of the van jam if you will at the convention center my biggest surprise from my experience the past four or five days guys is that it did not take over the city like i think it should or event like this should streets were not crowded 
It was not busy at all. Like I expect like the Super Bowl, Georgia Street to be packed downtown to just dominate much like it does for the Big Ten tournament. And that was just not the case here. Scott, do you think that, I mean, even looking ahead to 2024 when it's here, I mean, we all think and we envision, like you said, whenever Indy hosts events, you got Meridian, you got Georgia Street, everywhere is packed. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you think that just because, you know, the popularity among college basketball, college football in the NFL is compared to the NBA, or do you think that Salt Lake City, they're just kind of, eh, who cares? I think it's probably a combination of that latter and being kind of hard to get here and maybe not a polarizing spot for people to go. Maybe that's part of it as well. The great thing that Indy's selling itself as is they're like, you know, there's there's like five or six NBA teams that are like five hours or less. Yeah. So you hope to bring in a lot of those Cleveland fans, Chicago fans, Milwaukee, Detroit that will make the drive up. I think you'll have a lot of Louisville basketball fans maybe come up and go to the, the convention center event and go to dinner downtown and that type of thing. That's what they're obviously aiming for. But you're right. I mean, Georgia Street will be great. That new area that's not yet complete, the Bicentennial Plaza just north of the field house, mm-hmm. that's going to have a speakeasy, all of that stuff going to be fantastic. But I think the heart of it is going to be at the convention center, maybe a Lucas Oil stadium involvement but everybody here was excited to see what's next because here was fine was not great was not bad it was just good hmm. scotty looking at the rising stars benedict matherin and andrew nemhard competing i know nemhard had a highlight real pass and then matherin went off for a few minutes scoring wise uh, what do you think participating in that for them did most just kind of putting their name out there and allowing the national nba side of things getting to see their talent Yeah, that's the number one thing because Pacers have only been on national TV once. So here they're reaching a much larger audience and more so specifically, and this goes for the whole weekend, is the international um, flavor. There's a lot of people. I was walking with a gentleman from Japan to a media uh, post-game party a couple nights ago. Like, you just don't get that at any regular NBA game. So you got the national exposure and international. Uh, And then the other thing is, it gives you kind of a taste of perhaps of what's to come or it gives you a little bit of a drive to want to be a a true all-star and experience the full weekend. And then I think the other thing is you you kind of get to hang out with some of your peers that are kind of of equivalent level, right? So his team was stacked, but he had Bonchero on his roster and Keegan Murray. And so you do get a little bit of time to hang out with them and get to know guys that you are going to be rising up in the NBA, hopefully over the next decade. Scott Agnes with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Uh, Scott, what's something that wasn't available to the fans out there in Salt Lake City? What's something that wasn't available to them that you would want Indy to capitalize on that you would like to see Indianapolis feature when we host the All-Star Game next year? Hmm, Great question. Um, Let's see. Here's my thing. I would love... To, I was I was disappointed by the halftime act. I guess it was kind of controversial, but I, I would love for that to to have some local flavor, but also to have some star some star power that people will really be drawn in. Um, as far as something that was available to us and not the public, I can't think of anything off the top of my mind. But I just know the organization 
for what Indy's going to be able to do and because of what they've done is going to be fantastic because, for example, there's there's several media availabilities out here, right? And so something fans would not know or recognize, but you're taking bus shuttles to those events. And because they're not centrally located, uh, some of that was at the University of Utah, about a 20-minute drive away. Mm-hmm. Well, the bus got lost a couple of times. It took about 45 minutes. Oh. I have no doubt Indy will crush that. And on top of that, you'll just take the Skywalk, presumably, right, from the JW or the Marriott right downtown over to probably – the convention center so it should make things a little bit more seamless and um without issue for indy next year so by star power in the halftime show you mean just bring red panda here right (laughs) she's kind of fading yeah yeah, i know she's she's getting older she's struggling but no uh next year scotty the three-point contest i think joey and i were talking about earlier tyrese has pretty much already said that he wants to run it back and then if buddy heel sticks around i think that'd be awesome to kind of have that local flair and maybe two if a pacer wants to do the dunk contest i mean the pacers have the guys pretty much to do everything and maybe that can build the excitement around here when it comes to the skill competitions yeah i I think indy and the pacers are going to love the fact and this is really true for the last year since he's been acquired is tyrese is all in he's so excited and, and willing to embrace everything about really being an ambassador for both the city and the team and so you're right yeah he reiterated hey i'm already getting ready for next year people are asking about stuff i'm gonna have some things in the works um i want to be back in that three-point contest but he does as well i think as long as uh they'll have him but i wouldn't be surprised though if they try to of course mix it up a little bit maybe you bring in tyrese because you do want at least one local representative uh, if you can Uh, the three-point or excuse me the dunk contest it was much improved, but kind of going back to what I was talking about with the halftime musical act, I want more star power here as well. Because while, yes, Mac McClung and what he did was fantastic and it was entertaining, I would love to see Indy maybe set the new standard, much like we saw with the Super Bowl with the zip line in the fan plaza. Now those are standards mm-hmm. for teams to host the Super Bowl. Why not something for them, get some outreach from corporate sponsors, and can you get, like, can you put, like, $4 million in briefcases at midcourt. Winner of the dunk contest gets that. Or something dramatic and uh, an amount that's worthy of guys getting involved. Because what we need to see, we want John Moran, right? We want Zion. You're not going to get LeBron, yeah. some of those aging stars. But you need that star power, and I think that would really help it get back to what it once was. Because if you look back to 1985, when it was last in Indy, the names of the dunk contest we're just fantastic, all headline guys, and I would love to see that return. Scott Agnes with us uh, on the fan. Scott, I have talked about it at the top of the show. I talked about it when I uh, hopped on with Brendan and Jimmy a couple weeks ago uh, about how the fact that I love Tyrese Halliburton. I, I love um, everything that he's bringing both on and off the court for this organization, for the city, but there's still that little bit in me that, hey, I've kind of seen the story before, Paul George, mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo. What would you say makes him different from those guys and what you've seen so far in terms of, yeah, this is the real deal. Maybe he will be here for 15 years like Reggie was. Yeah, Joey, that's a very real question and conversation, I think, amongst Pacer fans because they felt this love and, and, and they've embraced those guys before. But then those guys evolved. They changed. They had other ideas. Obviously, Paul George wanted to get back home to L.A. Victor wanted to get down to Miami. Those guys made those that picture Picture perfect and clear for everyone. I think the big thing here, Joey, is the fact how Tyrese is kind of one of us. He's Midwest roots from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, has family in Indy. So he was coming to Indy 
for not only um, AAU events, but also to visit family up in Kokomo every single year. So there's that connectivity, I think, a little bit. Um, and so far, I have not seen any kind of, you know, big head or, you know, this market isn't for me. I think he also comes from a, a situation in Sacramento where he had committed to them and been all in. And then they suddenly trained, traded him without warning. And I think now he's trying to put that behind him and has and really wants to make his, make this his own because he's a smart, cerebral player. And I think he probably saw what Victor gave up. What Victor Victor was never going to mean to any other team, what he meant to the Pacers, but more so the state of Indiana. And so I'm thinking between what Tyrese has done, who he surrounded himself with, and in this case I mean that in a good way, uh, and the Pacers have helped him. You know, it's one of his close friends is a video coordinator who was brought on. We're, you know, they have surrounded him well, and he has responded and treated the city so well. Um, so I – I'm cautious about it, but I hopefully, fingers crossed, don't see Tyrese being the next to do that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Scotty, Joey and I were talking about this earlier when it came to what Reggie Miller was saying about the Pacers and just the Pacers stars on TNT. Not sure if you caught any highlights or not, but really, I mean, Reggie is in full support of, it seems, the core that is here in Indiana. And Joey was bringing up comparisons between Tyrese and Reggie earlier. So, I mean, do you see the fan base giving a similar amount of love at this moment to Halliburton? Can the fan base see that Tyrese has that sign of Reggie in him. Yeah, so I, I wasn't able to really listen to those because I was inside the arena and it's loud and, and, and all of that. But I did see uh, how Reggie took a photo with Tyrese, how Rick Carlisle a couple weeks ago said what you just said and that he sees a lot of Reggie in Tyrese. Um, I see it with his shot, right? So much <laughs> of us want to, you know, I mean, why didn't anybody correct his shot or make it more normal? Well, guess what? Reggie's shot was not normal. And he did quite well. Hall of Famer, one of the best shooters that we've had in that league. So um, that stands out to me. I wish we'd hear more from Reggie, more expansive about the Pacers and Tyrese and, and things like that. You get a little bit of it on TNT. But there's, I see a lot of similarities, um, family being important, growing up and, you, you know, where, where they had and what, how they grew up in certain situations. Um, but, yeah, I think – I think Tyrese is is so far exactly what you see, and that's that's a really encouraging sign, I think, for the Pacers team. They're still a couple years away from being a contending team, guys, but with him at the core and as the face, now if you can get one more star in this upcoming draft, then you're on to something. That was going to, yeah, let me right into my next question, Scott. Scott Agnes joins us. You know, right now you've seen some highs from this 2022-2023 team. You see down the line. You see the hope, the potential, the future. Now, is it next year? Is it two years? Is it signing a big free agent? Is it just continuing, yeah, like you said, through the draft, um, getting another guy uh, at the high end of the draft? I mean, what's the next, very next step to where it said, okay, now the Pacers aren't going to be battling for that seventh, eighth spot. They're going to be showing hope. Now they're up there towards the top of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I I think first of all, what we saw in the first, what, 40, 50 games was just special. It was a little bit of some magic that yeah. they caught in a bottle here. But then they, they got 
grounded a little bit after Tyrese got hurt, and I think that was honestly the best thing for him. It was a nice reality check that, hey, yes, you've had success. Uh, It's been a pleasant surprise. You've been one of the good stories in the league to begin the year. But it was a little bit of fool's gold as well. And so um, I I think with this being year two of the rebuild, there's a clear plan in sight. Uh, There's a clear priority list. And what you hope is now being in the lottery, presumably, uh, this upcoming summer, that'll be year three of that. Going into, you know, three years ago, they had been a playoff team, which also means you're not drafting in the lottery for 29 of 35 years. That's, a, that's an incredible run. You think about franchises like the Sacramento Kings. Now they're going to break it this year, but they have been on a stretch of like 16 straight years without a playoff run. The trouble is they were always good, never great. And so that's the level I think they've kind of reset the expectations. They tried to get off this treadmill of mediocrity, as Kevin Pritchard talks about a lot. But you're trying to get that one more lottery pick this year, another year to grow, develop, see what Isaiah Jackson is. Can he be part of that core as well? Uh, you add some more shooters because Rick loves shooters, loves playing fast, loves playing five out. It, it, you know, Think about Matherin as a year three player, which is what Tyrese is right now. Then I think – they have a good shot at contending. And, and with the Pacers, you mentioned free agents. The trouble is in this market, they just haven't. History has shown until it changes, they're not going to get any landmark significant free agents. That's just the reality. I mean, all we've seen is David West, was a, which was a great player. He was. But not a, a significant impact player in terms of reaching the postseason and, and going on from there. So it's through the draft. And then you're also trying to work trades, and that's where this front office, I give them a lot of credit the last two years. Every one of them thus far has worked out from the trade department. Scott, does the current status of the roster, though, would that change things in attracting free agents? The fact that a true star in Tyrese is here, Buddy Heald sticks around, Miles signing the two-year $60 million extension, does that change the perplexion for potential free agents of, okay, you know, Indiana, you can see the ingredients maybe my thought of going there would change. Yeah, I think one, having a vision and being able to see it is key. I think seeing them have play with joy and have fun is notable. But I, I think more than anything, if, if I'm the front office and I'm an agent out there, I'm saying look at what playing with Tyrese does. Look at Miles Turner having the best year of his career, and he got paid. Look at Buddy Heald and his three-point numbers and the, how he leads the league in three-point makes, how he then earned a trip to the three-point contest because of it, and then soon will be due for a contract extension and get paid. I think Tyrese is one of those that makes everybody around him better. And on top of that, he's one of those rare stars, I think, uh, evolving stars in this league who's not all about me, 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 on, in terms of the court, much like LeBron sort of in this department, is he loves passing and getting teammates open and making the right basketball play. And so if I'm a free agent, we're not, and to be clear, I'm not, I'm not talking the tier one, probably not tier two. But once you're in tier three, yeah, for all those reasons I just laid out, I think Pacers will warrant more consideration than they have in the last decade. Scott Agnes joins us. And Scott, I, I don't know how much this affects 
players' decisions, agents' decisions, but and I guess that's why I'm asking. But with all the <laughs> with all the uh, revamps that has gone on at, at GameBridge, both outside, inside the practice facility, the training. I mean, I saw that video when George Hill came back uh, after that trade, and he yeah. was like, "Wow, blown away. This wasn't here when I was here." Does that weigh in at all? I mean, with with the uh, investment that they're making on that front, does that at least something where it's like, "Hey, this is a, a nice place, literally a nice place for you to be in Indy." Yeah, I think it's probably five, six, seven or so on the list, quite frankly. You'll have some free agents that will commit without even, you know, visiting and getting the full experience. Now, most of these free agents, right, they've, you know, they've played in the arena, they've been in the visiting locker room. But, um, yeah, you bring up George Hill, that's a great point because he was one of the few players involved in the planning process but was suddenly traded right before it was about to open. So he was never able to experience maybe what he had um, plans laid out for there. But w- number one, you're talking about winning. You're talking about market. You're talking about the contract offer. Now, if that's equivalent, uh, you're probably talking about the market size, TV uh, availability, and you know how many times you're on national TV. Um, I think the city and, and things to do certainly plays a factor. The weather, you're probably going to sign in Miami before you sign in Milwaukee or Minnesota for obvious reasons. And so uh, in terms of facilities, it's one of the best in the league, no doubt, but so many of them, much like we see in the college landscape, it's it's an arms race. And so generally speaking, there's a lot of great facilities out there that that would not be the number one or two tipping points. Scott, when you were in last week, we were talking about how the Pacers, some of them could be a little burnt out based off of the run that happened from basically January 10th until now losing the 16 of 18 and that you know maybe some players would rather be in Cabo or Miami rather than the NBA All-Star weekend but did you get a sense that from when you were talking with Tyrese and Buddy that they were going to get time to rest before Thursday the Pacers get back in action against Boston yeah that's the plan but it's it's just a little bit of time I was surprised neither one of them uh, or any of the Pacer guys are getting time to go anywhere whether it's you know excuse me, down to Florida or anywhere get to get some sunshine and to a beach. Um, part of that is because Rick Carlisle has practice on Tuesday, already scheduled despite, you know, not playing until Thursday. And that was something Tyrese was joking about. He goes, you know, RC don't play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And those two have a very good relationship. And, and that's one of the reasons for the team's success. But no, uh, I'll, I'll give, this is how you know he's a, he's a true pro and he's been here and done that before probably the majority of the media had gotten downstairs from the top of the arena to the bottom where all the interviews went on, LeBron was already halfway through his press conference. He's getting the heck out of there and probably on the first private jet to Cabo or something similar. Uh, So that's how you do it when you're a pro. And then uh, meanwhile, Tyrese was joking. He was like, man, you can tell I'm a first year. I'm a rookie at this. I'm staying overnight. I'm grabbing dinner and I'm out first thing in the morning. That's the difference right there. Hey, sounds like something I would do. And that's why we love them, right? That's good stuff. Um, now, what are we looking at here, Scott? We got Boston. The Pacers have Boston on, on Thursday night. Gamebridge kicking off really the last third of the season, not the last half of the season. And you mentioned they're in play for uh, the lottery, but I mean, is this, yeah, is there a little bit of a stretch run in them to make it interesting? Or are we just looking at, hey, competitive losses and let's uh, get some of those ping pong balls? <laughs> Ideally, yeah, right. It's that last point. Is you want to you want to have some fun. You want to see this team um, show improve upon some of the things that have been troubling. Right, their their poor starts. First quarters have been the worst in the league. 
um, falling behind yeah. uh, and some of that. But, uh, you know, the fact that they've stu- stuck with it and not given up, that's been all great to see. But they're also pros. They're paid to do that. Right. Um, where it gets difficult, Joey, to your point, is after Boston, they have a daunting stretch. 11 of their next 14 games on the road. So they've actually – that's part of the reason I think they had a lot of that early success. It was home-friendly. And they didn't play the top three teams in the East until late December. Um, and so now they're about to go out on the road. And I think, one, it'll help this group come together a little bit more. It always does when you're, you're kind of forced to be in it and, and on the road together for uh, you know a week on time. But it's also very difficult to win on the road. I think maybe they have eight road wins all season. Um, they haven't won a road game off the top of my head since December 23rd at Miami. So – uh, it's not a favorable portion of their schedule uh, to round things up here. But I'll be curious to see what kind what kind of uh, motivation and energy they are able to come back with um, after this All-Star break. Because to your point as well about not being the second half of the season, I'm not sure you're ever going to see this change again. But you could tell all of us, everybody in the league and around it, was kind of dragging here at the All-Star break because mm. we're 60 of 82 games in. Yeah. If you could – really, you know, push it or push it forward a you know, a month earlier so it was a true midway point. I think that would make for a much more enjoyable January of games, whereas those as always are known as the dog dog days of the season for sure. Scott, last thing, your time in Salt Lake City, favorite person you got to talk to either for the first time or re upping with this weekend? No. Uh I think for me, honestly, it sounds it probably will sound like a corny answer. But after all we went through with COVID and all of that, just catching up with so many of media friends that I see from afar, especially national people, they don't come into Indy very much. Um, so c- catching up with some of them throughout the time, Chris Ain, Sam Amick, Howard Beck. Uh, so for me, that was great to see. Uh, I did, uh, for Indy relevance, got to briefly talk with Domas, got to briefly see Paul George uh, yesterday before the game. Um, and so I, I thought that was cool and enjoyable for me. Scott What's Agnes, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just, I was, I just was thinking about it. What's like the, you know, the cuisine in Salt Lake City? What's you know when people are like, hey, you know, think of Indy, it's like, yeah, St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's, right? I'm gonna go to those those joints. When you're in Salt Lake City, what's like, ah, you gotta have this. Good question. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the one of the media events we had something that was like a really good PF Chang's, which I wasn't exactly expecting. Uh, then we had there there was no obvious. Um, takeaway or suggestion right we all know what we'd say in indy crumbled cookies were something they gave to us media a lot i don't know what what the connection or deal or endorsement deal was there uh between those but we got like crumble cookies at every single event which are great but uh i you know we 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 had so many of them throughout this weekend every college every college girl on instagram place puts crumble cookies on their instagram story i did deal with crumble cookies i like them quite a bit yeah no i'm just no, they're great. I'm just saying, like, it's I, a cake, basically. It, it's truly a cake. Anyways, but thanks, Scott. Scott, <laughs> Scott Agnes, thank you for Fieldhouse Files. You can catch his work at 1075thefan.com as well. Thanks, Scotty. You bet. Thank- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Guys. Daniel Jeremiah, lead draft analyst uh, for NFL Network. You see him every year. He sits in the booth with Rich Eisen at the uh, NFL Combine. He knows the ins, outs, watches film when the Super Bowl is going on. I mean, this is the guy you want to hear from. DJ, what's up, man? How are you? 
I'm doing great, man. That's a good way to describe it. Um, I want to say yesterday it was, hey, do you want to go out to dinner, you know, with your family mm-hmm. and have a nice relaxing time? Or would you rather stay in and watch Mark Evans the second, the Arkansas Pine Bluff guard? And uh, and lo and behold, me and me and uh, Mr. Evans spent an evening together. <laughs> there you go. That sounds uh, that sounds lovely. It sounds like uh, like I said, when you hear that tune, that's just exactly what makes you want to do. Um, all right, DJ, we got uh, quite the predicament. We got a whole situation here in Indianapolis. Okay. Um, we got uh, the Indianapolis Colts are facing the fourth overall pick here. They need a cornerback. They got all these guys. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. I just want to. I just. I'm going to start it off right away. If the general manager's name of the Indianapolis Colts wasn't Chris Ballard and was Daniel Jeremiah, who you liking and why? Uh, for me, it's Bryce Young, especially in that in that scenario. There, I think he fits in that division. I think he can fit in well with that team. I think he'll fit in well in that new offense that, that Shane's going to bring in there. Um, you know, like I, I scouted in, in for teams in the AFC North when you're thinking about, you know, if you're in, if you're in uh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, I think you probably want a bigger, more physical guy just because of everything, right? You get more of a rugged style of play. You also have the weather you're going to be dealing with, uh, all that stuff. We wanted bigger guys. I, I think when you're playing inside and you're playing in a division – uh, where you're going to be playing some friendly weather games every year. I mean, that's you, you know exactly what you're getting for a good number of those games, and I think Bryce Young will hold up just fine. Hey, Daniel, it's Brendan. I'm a Bryce Young supporter, too, trying to lead that charge here in Indy. But when it comes to what folks have been talking about, especially over the last month, a lot of people talk about his height. That really doesn't yeah. concern me. Is that a concern to you, or is it more so just kind of a lazy sports media take, people trying to paint pictures? Well, I, look, in a perfect world, you'd want everybody to be Trevor Lawrence, you know, and Justin Herbert and Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning. But, like, that's just – you don't get all those things. You're going to have to give somewhere. With Bryce, the height doesn't bother me at all. The weight's going to be everything. You know, talking to where the guys where he was training last week, he was 192 uh, as of last week. I think, you know, he'll probably have a chance to get up a little bit closer to 200, which will, will make you feel better. I mean, I know there was – People out there expecting he was going to be 182 pounds or something like that's not the case. You know he'll be he'll be closer to 200 if not at 200. Um, but that that's more of an issue to me. It's just the durability. I think I looked it up the other day. I mean, there's obviously more to your size limiting you than batted passes. But I think he only had two or three balls that were batted down. He understands. He's been short his whole life. He understands how to find windows. He moves around really, really well in the pocket. Um, and I think with his, you know, he's athletic enough where you can move the launch point with him too. So. Uh, no, I, I don't think the height bothers me so much. It's just I worry about you know physically holding up. There was there was a period last year, gosh, for maybe five weeks or so. I have to go back and look at my notes where he was unable to practice because of his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And you know if you love him, if you love him, you're like, dude, this is a tough dude. He didn't practice all week. He still posted up on Saturdays and played really well. If you don't like him. You go, man, this guy couldn't even practice in college. How in the world is this guy going to hold up and be able to, you know, to stay whole on an NFL field? So um, it's, it's not an easy one. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, lead draft analyst. Uh, they're going to be seeing a whole lot of them combine in town next week. And then, uh, of course, um, all the NFL draft coverage coming up, uh, leading us into April. Uh, now I, I want to move to the other guys, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, yeah. two very popular names that have also been mocked to Indianapolis at number four or even higher at some points. With C.J. Stroud, what do you see from him? What is his strongest uh, component of his game that would make Colts fans say, 
this is very good. What's something that you say, uh, this is not very good? Well, I think he's a natural thrower. So he's just got he, – he throws a beautiful ball. He's got a great motion. Um, he can make every type of throw. You know, I thought his arm got physically stronger this year. Um, I thought when I watched him the year before, you know, he can always get the ball up and over the top, throw a nice deep ball. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between that and being able to really power the ball into tight windows. And that was a little, you know, I thought it was average when I watched him uh, last year. This year, I thought he's incorporating his lower body more. He drove the ball better. So the throwing is, is excellent. You feel really good about that. The, the concern with him is he's not real sudden or urgent in his movement. And he wasn't really much of a playmaker in terms of making things happen under pressure. Um, and then, of course, we all get to the playoff game and see him, you know, play like I've never seen him play before in my life, where he was making all kinds of plays off schedule and shows you that he can do it. And there's an old adage in scouting. If they can do it once, uh, they can do it. So, you know, it's in there uh, it was just a little bit frustrating. You didn't see more of that uh, throughout his career. So that would be a little bit of the concern there. Uh, but man, as a thrower, really, really natural. And then uh, with Levis. You know, this year was tough. You know, it's well documented. He had the injuries. He had the toe. He had a shoulder. I thought, you know, those things I can explain away some of the inaccuracies and, and maybe trying to do a little too much, which led to some of the turnovers. The thing that bothers me about him from a weakness standpoint is just kind of pocket awareness. Um, he, he just get hit. He gets takes shots where he does not see it coming, doesn't feel it. Um, you know, you can watch Bryce Young and his eyes will be trained to the right and he can just sense and feel pressure on the backside. He can climb up and get away from it. Will Levis just takes one right in the numbers and uh, it led to a lot of turnovers. Is that something that can be fixed or, or worked on or is that just I, I had another you know there's two guys that i talked to you know um that do what you do one being you and another one who, who i won't name but he told me he said hey he's just not a very instinctive player like you mentioned talking about will levis is that something that can be trained upon to 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 work better in the nfl once you get there or is that just a really really kind of a red flag coming out that's a tough one you know that's that's one that's hard um to overcome that i think that's more of an instinctive thing it's more of a feel thing uh, with that with that pocket awareness. And I think that's where it differs a little bit with him and, and Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen played on a terrible team at Wyoming, and Josh Allen was kind of running around like crazy trying to make all these plays. Um, I mean, he got, he got hit a bunch, but he could feel it coming, and he would try his best to get away from it. I just think Will Levis, it's like a surprise party sometimes uh, when the pass rush shows up. So that, that, is, uh, that is something that traditionally is a little more difficult to overcome. Daniel, when it comes to the Colts, I think a lot of folks around here would be happy with one of Young and Stroud, and how could you not be? But what Joey and I were talking about earlier is you know, think of the four, five, six teams behind the Colts that would also love to have them. So can the Colts get one of those two at four, or are they going to have to do some work to try and move up? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I, you know, to me, when you're in their predicament and where they've been um, and just doing the veteran thing over and over and over again, if you if you really feel like there's you know, one that you love, I think you get aggressive. You're this close, go up there and try and get that one that you love. Um, and even if there's one that you feel like there's another one and then there's a drop off, I, to me, you're all the way up there this year. And, you know, throw, throw away everybody's going to say, oh, you know, next year we've got Caleb Williams and we've got Drake. Yeah, you have no 
chance of knowing where you're going to be in next year. So many things can happen. You might be picking 16, um, and you're not going to have enough ammunition to get from 16 to get up and get one of those top guys. You're right there. You're right on the doorstep. You need to take a plunge. You need to get one of these rookie quarterbacks and, and take a shot on them. So, in my opinion, I think this is set up for them to be as aggressive as they need to be to make sure they get one of those two guys. I would be a little nervous sitting there waiting at four to see who fell to me. That's Daniel Jeremiah with us on the fan. Uh, Daniel, one guy that we haven't mentioned yet, but is also being mocked in the anywhere from four, anywhere from uh, 10 to 20 to the second round. That's Anthony Richardson out of Florida. What what have you seen from him? Obviously, he's, he's kind of a physical freak. You know, a lot of people saying the most yeah. gifted uh, physically quarterback coming out. But if you're the Colts and you're sitting there at four, and if on draft night they were to take Anthony Richardson at number four, would you feel good about that moving forward? Or what, what would need to really, really happen to develop him to make it to where, okay, this guy isn't just uh, relying on his physical traits. This guy is what we hope to turn into kind of like a Patrick Mahomes type. Well, I think you just, you're committing to a certain style of play um, in the short term. You know, one of the things that if you look at the quarterbacks uh, over the last few years, if you just put, put them in a different pile, right? You've got, you've got uh, Trevor Lawrence, you've got Joe Burrow, and I would even say Herbert, just from the standpoint of you kind of knew what you were you what you were buying there. Those guys were kind of finished products. Everybody else is going to need some development and going to need some time. And when you have unbelievable athleticism where you can make plays with your legs, you buy yourself time before you're developed enough as a passer to be where you want to be. Like J- Jalen Hurts is the perfect example of somebody who went out there and had a lot of growth that needed to take place as a passer, but they were able to compete and win games with him, you know, using his legs as he continued to grow and develop. Whereas you look at, uh, you know, Zach Wilson with the Jets, he didn't have, he doesn't have the legs like that to be able to buy time that he needs to develop as a passer. So long way of saying you take Anthony Richardson, you are committing that you are just going to run the heck out of the ball uh, early in his career because he is so far away in terms of his development as a passer. You'll see the flashes. I mean, it's, he has got a ridiculous arm, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, you you'll see some awful misses. Like he just needs he needs to get a lot of reps and throw a lot of balls before he gets comfortable in the passing game. But in the meantime, with Jonathan Taylor and him, I mean, you'll you'll lead the league in rushing. I can promise you that. <laughs> Daniel, is there a quarterback that nobody is talking about? Is there a guy that's going to jump off the board and people are going to fall in love with, or is this the group? Well, I think Hinton Hooker is still interesting. Um, you know, I don't know how much talk there is about him out there, you know, in the media. I've kind of been in the cave just watching all these guys. Right. Arkansas but, Pine Bluff. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I watched him, when I watched him, I was like, you know what? Gosh, if he's, you know, it's the ifs. If he's 21 years old and he's doesn't not coming off of a knee injury, I think he's a first-round pick because the tape's pretty good. I mean, he is accurate. He makes good decisions. It's that kind of Baylor offense, that old-school Baylor offense, which is very tough to evaluate because they spread you from sea to shining sea. It's not it's not really relevant in terms of how it translates to the next level. But he can make every kind of throw. He's got poise. He's got some moxie to him. Um, he can make plays with his legs if he needs to. He's a good player. And I, I think he's still going to go in the second round. Um, even with the age and the injury, I think somebody's going to end up taking him. I think he's going to end up being a starter. So um, I think he, I think it's him kind of with those top four guys. I think if you just watched him off tape, you'd take him over some of those guys. So he'd be in that mix for me. 
lead draft analyst at NFL Network, Daniel Jeremiah, with us. So now there's been a lot of folks that have made comments, a lot of fans around here that have seen that, hey, you know, why don't we do that? Why don't the Colts, um, you know, take the best player available at number four and then kind of hope for uh, a Hendon Hooker in the second round, right? So we don't necessarily have that huge risk that comes with having a quarterback in the top five. You already kind of said, though, you're already this close. Go and get your guy. Do you think any of that talk makes sense for them to kind of play the waiting game on Hendon Hooker or are you full in like you said let's 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 just make it happen and get get the guy where we where we need to I think if you're a different organization I would make that case um I, I just think with where they are and as long as the Colts have been trying to juggle the veteran quarterback yeah. I think that they're almost pot committed where they are right now to, to getting a guy and I don't think you want to, you know, if I, I can't say that one side of my mouth, I wouldn't be comfortable waiting at four. I sure as heck would be nervous if I was hoping that Hennon Hooker was going to be there when I pick next. That would be, uh, you know, that there's just too much, there's too much of a chance involved there. And you really don't want to stay on this hamster wheel of just bringing in another old veteran and trying to squeeze another year or two out of them. Right. Daniel, I'm originally a Chicago guy, and I still listen to Chicago sports radio just about every day, which is kind of funny to, to listen to sometimes, just for how crazy it gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, would the Bears benefit better, in your mind, of using that number one to grab a young defensive stud, or would they benefit more from trading that number one pick? Well, this is a, it's an interesting question. I know that's kind of like the number one debate right now uh, as it pertains to the draft. I, I would just go this way. If in that building you're convinced that Justin Fields is going to continue to work um, and he's uh, he's proven that he has the, the desire to put in the work it's gonna, he's going to need to put in to continue getting better and developing in the passing game, I would stay on that course. Um, you know, that's one thing on the outside. You just don't know. I don't know what that, you know, what that is. They, they have that information that we don't. If that was the case, it's easy for me to say that. As much as I love Bryce Young, for all the reasons I think he makes sense for Indy, you know, playing in Chicago, I don't think that's a great fit for him. I don't think that's a great match. So if that's the, you know, for me, the clear-cut number one quarterback, and I don't think he's a great fit there, um, I, I'm just continuing to build pieces together. And you can, you know, let, let's give Justin more time to continue to grow and develop. I don't, I, I don't see, uh, I don't see a reason why to punt on him at that point in time. So we talked about all the quarterbacks, you know, all the, all the big time ones, all the names you're going to hear throughout the next couple of months. Um, but if you're if you're a Colts fan, if you're living in Indy, if you're a Colts fan in general. Should, should a Colts fan sleep well at night knowing that with Shane Steichen as your head coach, really a case could be made for any of the guys to be drafted? And because of his record, uh, Shane Steichen's record with working with different quarterbacks, that it's looking like they'd probably turn out to be fairly successful. I love Shane. You know, I was, uh, you know, I do the Charger games. And uh, yep. so I got to know him pretty well as the Chargers coordinator. And he is, he is really good at designing an offense around the skills of the people that you have. And I, I always am a fan of guys um, that can morph what they do. You know, I know there's, you know, there's that, oh, you know, you've got the Shanahan offense, you've got this offense, you've got that offense. Like, you know what? The offense should change and shift and mold around the people that you have in the building. And he's done a great job of showing that flexibility, playing with different types of quarterbacks, different types of skill. Um, and, and making it work, and I think he's got a really good demeanor um, and disposition. There's some quarter, there's some coaches um, when you're around them, you know, just they're, you know, they're they're kind of on edge and jittery, and that makes young players uncomfortable. 
Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. He's a calming. He has a real calming influence on uh, on young players, and I think that'll be a it'll be a good cocoon for whatever young quarterback they put in there. Daniel, what you just brought up about Shane Steichen kind of working on both sides of the rainbow is what Joey and I were talking about. Of from Philip Rivers to Jalen Hurts, he made those offensive work <laughs> offenses work. How impressive is that as a play caller and an offensive builder that you can experience both of those sides of football and win in both? Yeah, there's nothing worse than, and I've been around some guys like this where you know this guy just doesn't fit. You know, he doesn't fit what we do. Well, this is what we have, okay? This isn't college. We don't get to go out and sign 25 to 30 of these guys to come in exactly the way you like them. This is what we already have on campus, um, and we've got to find a way to make this work. So he's shown he's shown the ability to do that. He doesn't complain. Um, he's a positive He's a positive guy. And I think there are a lot of good building pieces uh, to work with there in Indy. So I think it's a, I think it's a really good fit. Um, it's going to come down to whether or not they can land the right quarterback and get the right fit. But as you mentioned, I think Shane will do a good job of getting the most out of whoever they bring in there. Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network uh, joining us. Daniel, uh, I want to hop off the quarterbacks real quick because there's a handful of tight ends that have uh, Indiana yeah. ties that are uh, going to be uh, heading to the NFL draft. Uh, one is getting a lot of first-round grades. It's Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Uh, but I want to talk about my guy Payne Durham out of Purdue. I saw you put a clip Let on your go. Instagram uh, a few days ago. He, he was uh, uh, he really crushed it at the Senior Bowl a few weeks ago. Um, what do you like about him? What do you think uh, he would bring to an NFL offense uh, with his skill set? Uh, he's a good player. I, I think the, the fun thing is seeing all the different places that you can line him up. Um, you know, you go to the Senior Bowl and you see him playing on you know some fullback in the backfield. He can play on the wing. Um, you can flex him out. He's got really, really strong hands. You know, in scouting, we use the phrase combat catches. Um, he can go make plays in crowds. And that's really kind of, you know, talk about Mayer. That's his strength as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, he gives you some some yak ability as well. He's physical. There's a play where I think I, that was probably the one I posted where he's just carrying dudes, yeah. you know, like about 15 yards down the field. So um, you love that physicality about him. And, uh, you know, I think in a loaded tight end draft, this is the kind of guy, like, you might get him in the, you know, early third round. Um, which is going to be just an absolute steal just because of the sheer depth of the position this year. Daniel, when it comes to running backs, Bijan Robinson still looked at as the number one jewel when it comes to the running back position? Yeah, it's him and then everybody else. I mean, I I think it's a really good good depth draft of running backs. I think like that third, fourth, fifth round is like the sweet spot. There's a ton of them. There's like 10 guys um, that I think you'll see kind of go in those middle rounds. But to me, it's him at the very top, and then you've got a pretty sizable gap. You've got Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, who's kind of an all-around uh, back, can really catch it. But uh, that's, a, that's a pretty good gap. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network with us. Uh, Daniel, you're coming up uh, the Combine and Indy next week. Um, so you'll be here. You'll be nice and cozy How's and comfy. Um, it's actually fairly fairly nice, man. I mean, for late February in Indianapolis, it's like a 52, a little cloudy, a little okay. sun poking through. Um, so I think it'll be all right come next week. Yeah, we actually have here. sunshine over the last week, which yeah. is good. Yeah. So, so, so it, it won't be too bad, even though you'll be nice and cozy uh, in the suite there with Rich Eisen um, you know, broadcasting <laughs> the Combine all day. Uh, what are looking at? I always love these. You mentioned combat catches. You know what scouts talk about these phrases, yeah. right? What um, what do you got lined up there on the prep sheet for when these quarterbacks come out and start slinging it? What are the phrases we're going to hear from from you and Kurt Warner or whoever's going to be covering yeah. the quarterbacks out there on NFL Network next week? Well, you always 
you always want to avoid the worm burners. You know, those are uh, those are not good throws. So you don't want to be killing any worms out there. Throwing so in the dirt. That's right. the one, yeah, that's the phrase you're trying to avoid is the worm burners. Um, gosh, uh, other quarterback phrases. You know, I was it was funny. I was doing a guy the other night. I actually called the Zerline because he's the only, like, you know, he's the only person on the media side that just geeks out on the nerdy little uh, phrases and descriptions. Yeah. And I was I was watching a uh, – I was watching an offensive lineman, and I said, "Have you seen this guy move?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah. What about him?" Like, Dude, he moves like he's lives in a in a house with creaky floors, and he's trying not to wake up a sleeping baby. Like, he is just. <laughs> Just like, dude, go. Like, stop tiptoeing around. Like, what are you doing? Uh, and it was like he knew exactly what I was talking about. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so Anthony Richardson gets out there. Or, or uh, let's Actually, let's go Bryce Young. You said Bryce Young, good fit for the Colts. You know, and he, yeah. he's slinging it. Uh, he's doing the out routes. He's doing the go balls. Uh, is, there any, is there any phrase that comes to mind that, that we're going to hear? Well, I, you know, everybody's looking for comps, you know, and everybody's been uh, – you know, doing the cross sport thing with him. So you've seen the Steph Curry comp that, you know, I've heard from some personnel guys, obviously it's been out there in the media as well. One. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, my comp on Bryce was Aaron Rodgers. If you left him in the dryer too long. <laughs> <laughs> I need to hear that next week. I need, that needs to be dropped okay. out there. I think it'll go nice on, uh, online. I think Rich Eisen will get a kick out of that one for sure. Yeah. It- I think that you know, knowing Rich, that's just a courtesy laugh you'll get. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but, but the other one, see, like, this is the kind of stuff that I'll do that I always try. I'm just trying to make rich laugh. That's all I'm trying to do. And yeah. then like people will be like, you know, that the 90% of your audience doesn't get this. I'm like, I don't really don't care. I'm just trying to see if I can get rich to, to chuckle a little bit. Yeah. You got a one man so, audience in there. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So, you know, like a vintage, a relative, uh, you know, up to date comp, if we're going to cross sport comp and everybody, oh, you know, Bryce Young, Steph Curry, that's easy. I mean, let's go Stetson Bennett, Bob Cousy, and let's have a real conversation here. Wow. Do you I've, ever, uh, Daniel, do you ever think about you or Eisen who would run a faster 40? Has that ever been done before? On. It's got to be DJ. Come on. He, he's a quarterback on. in college. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, I have popped an Achilles <laughs> playing hoops uh, about eight years ago. Um, so I, I, I left pickup hoops uh behind and i think probably running a 40 would not be in my best interest but that would be a win <laughs> is, is there something to the technique of you know, when they're doing the, the go balls the quarterbacks you know with the timing of when you let out a it's a good ball you and rich at the same time kind, kind of golfing it, 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 it is a golf broadcast it is like a football golf mashup is it when um, it's like you're trying to be respectful of all the all the different you're in our booth like the colts are right next to us on yeah. one side we've got another team on the other side and it's like they're doing their job they're they're working right they're eating quite a bit i would add but they are working and uh and you just feel like a boob if you're screaming you is know? it like at the apex of the throw when you decide to let out that or is it kind of when it's coming down you see it's gonna be completion I'm just very curious. Um, well, you just you're just like, gosh, how many times have I said he dropped it in the bucket? Man, that's <laughs> sick. Okay, I probably got a couple. It's Daniel Jeremiah, lead draft analyst on NFL Network, um, dropping some knowledge on us about uh, the Colts' upcoming draft. What to do with number four? He's going to be in Indy next week. Uh, Calling the combine as we were just talking about. Daniel, thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Great catching up, and uh, let's get coffee next week or something. Okay. Yeah, but one one quick thing, Joe, before I go. Yep. Um, 
feelings are hurt a little bit because I thought we had a monogamous uh, scouting relationship, and then you came out and said that there's two guys. You won't even tell me who the other guy is. I mean, this is <laughs> well because I use a quote from him. Hurtful. I'll text you okay. and we can break it down. We'll, you know, I'll figure okay. it out. But you're the only one I get coffee with, DJ. <laughs> okay, thanks. All right, I appreciate it. all right, D boy. Thanks, See you, buddy. That's Daniel Jeremiah.